fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, thanks for being here. My name is Mike Broomhead, Phoenix, Arizona, in for Glenn today. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. We are thrilled that you've joined us for part of your day. So much to talk about this morning. Of course, impeachment. We'll talk about how great the economy is and some of the things that are moving forward. The big moves China is making that's even going to make our economy even better. And we're going to move forward. We'll talk about this FISA investigation, the IG report, Horowitz, and of course, the criminal investigation that's going on as well. Uh, so much of that happening, and they all are so intertwined. It's amazing. Let's start with impeachment this morning. As the Democrats rushed to impeachment, I thought that, um, I thought Mitch McConnell said it best when they rushed through impeachment in the House of Representatives only to sit on it now. What are they afraid of? I don't know that they're afraid of anything. We've heard all of the conspiracy theories as to why Nancy Pelosi is holding on to articles of impeachment. But um, moving forward, what will the Democrats do? How will they do it if they do anything? Let's start this morning. The majority whip James Clyburn is talking about articles of, of impeachment and how long they're willing to hold these from the Senate. Um, now, this is a, a fairly long clip. I just want you to hear a, a quick, a little bit of what Clyburn answered when talking about this holding on articles of impeachment. Uh, the president had more House members vote to impeach him than any president in history. To an extent, the outcome was predetermined. We knew it after the president was impeached. A bit of a surprise to many people when the House mm-hmm. Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, suggested that she might wait to transmit the approved articles of impeachment to the Senate, which could possibly delay the Senate trial. I want you to listen to what she said last night. Delay transmitting the articles of impeachment and also sending over the House managers. Listen to this. We cannot name managers until we see what the process is on the Senate side. And I would hope that that will be soon, as we did with our legislation, our Resolution 660, to describe what the process would be. Uh, So far, we haven't seen anything that looks fair to us. So hopefully it will be fair. And when we see what that is, we'll send our managers. Why the delay, Congressman? Well, delay is made necessary because uh, the majority of the Senate uh, has made it very clear uh, that he's not going to be impartial, he's not going to be fair, he will collude, if you please, uh, with uh, the White House, uh, at least the White House's attorneys, uh, in order to decide how he will go forward. Why would the uh, Speaker of the House step into that uh, without trying uh, to determine exactly what uh, the majority leader plans to do? So I'll, I'll stop that there. For this. In fact, I- this is uh, that was James Clyburn talking about how why they are doing this. What's funny about this entire process is most of us watched and the American people watched this impeachment process. There are a lot of things that have happened for the very first time ever, ever. And whether it's CNN or MSNBC, when you're not going to get a well-rounded picture of what's happening, what the Democrats have done, never have we seen an impeachment hearing done inside the Intelligence Committee. It's got to go through judiciary. That's the way that it's done. That's where articles of impeachment are run. But Adam Schiff did something called an informal inquiry, which meant there were no rules. He made the rules up as he went along. He controlled those hearings. He did them inside the basement in what's called the skiff. And most of you have heard this before, this that, that word before, but the skiff is 
a soundproof room. There are no recording devices in these rooms. And a skiff is generally where top secret documents are kept. So every, uh, you know, a facility has a skiff and it's a, it's on a need to know basis what's in that room when there are documents held there. So if you are, let's say you're with the uh, FBI and you're working a case and there are documents for you in the skiff, you sign in, you leave your recording devices, your phone and everything else outside. And you're only reading the documents pertaining to your case. A lot of people imagine that you can walk into this room if you've got the clearance and just start reading things. That's not the way this ever works. But Adam Schiff decided that he was going to have hearings inside that room and exclude other members of Congress. He kept Republicans out. I know for a fact in my home state, um, one of the members of judiciary, uh, Congresswoman Debbie Lesko, attempted to get into the room. They would not let her into the meetings. Funny how there were leaks. Now, there was no way the Republicans on that committee were leaking the information that we heard. The information that we heard coming from those meetings came from Adam Schiff or Adam Schiff's colleagues on the Democratic side of the aisle. But for the very first time, there were these informal inquiry. So that's how they were able to drag that first part of it out. Then Nancy Pelosi said, we are going to have a formal inquiry. And so then they kept it inside the Intelligence Committee, and Adam Schiff ran an Intelligence Committee inquiry into impeachment. It had no teeth. It had absolutely no reason to exist other than to prolong and try to make the president look bad. And it was working. If you looked at what was happening at that time, the American people were listening to what Adam Schiff was leaking and then what was being said and saying, this president should be impeached. Let's move forward with impeachment proceedings. Not necessarily throw him out of office, but there was enough meat on this bone to warrant going further. So Adam Schiff brought witnesses in. How many days were they in that committee of a formal inquiry before they brought in one fact witness? As a matter of fact, the first three people they brought in, all three of those people admitted they weren't listening to that phone call. They Most of them, I think all three of them admitted they'd never even had a conversation on any level with the president of the United States. No fact witnesses. So abruptly, when all of this is going on, she turns it over and it goes to judiciary. And Nancy Pelosi said of this process, we are like a jury. We are going to look at exculpatory evidence. We're going to come to a conclusion. So now, knowing what you know, does anybody believe that there was exculpatory evidence that was even considered? No Republican witness was allowed to testify. So here's the spin from the other side. They say, yes, there were. There were two or three witnesses that were on the list or one witness on the list of the Republicans that testified. That was because that witness or those witnesses were also on the Democrats witness list. There was no witness that was solely on a Republican witness list that ever saw the light of day as far as testimony is concerned. The president's people were not allowed to participate and It had no teeth anyway because they do not issue articles of impeachment. They don't draw them up. They don't vote on them. That's judiciary. Now it goes to judiciary. They had three lawyers testify. They were all law professors and legal minds about the validity of impeachment. Then they had four lawyers testify, Republican and Democrat from judiciary, Republican and Democrat from the Intelligence Committee. So there are seven witnesses that we heard from. None of them were fact witnesses. None of them had any firsthand knowledge of this case at all whatsoever. None of them. After those seven people testified, Nancy Pelosi holds a press conference and said, we're moving forward with articles of impeachment. I am no, I am not a lawyer. 
but there are a lot of lawyers that listen to this program. How many of you could get into a trial and send it to the jury for judgment? Because that's what they did in judiciary when they voted on articles of impeachment. And looking at the facts entered into testimony. If you're looking at the facts that have been testified to only, which is what you're supposed to do in a trial, how could you possibly move forward with impeachment? There wasn't one factual thing said about anything the president did wrong. They've moved the the uh, the needle and the goalpost on all of this over and over again. Quid pro quo, extortion, bribery, abuse of power. It's always something new. And the reason why they came to the conclusion on bribery was a focus group. They were focus grouping different words that would resonate with voters. Bribery worked. That's why they switched it to bribery. So judiciary votes on and across party lines, along party lines, they vote to pass the articles of impeachment to the full house. The only thing bipartisan about any of this were the no votes. There was not one Republican that voted for it. The standard set in 1998 by by Nancy Pelosi and by Nadler and this year and last year by both of them saying it needed to be both. It needed to be both overwhelming evidence and it had to be bipartisan. Neither is the case. So now that uh, the American people see what this is all about, they're back to saying they don't think this needs to happen. As a matter of fact, in a few moments, we'll let you hear some of that. Some of the voters saying that this is going to be bad for the Democrats. It's going to backfire. And one of the reasons for all this, in a moment, I'm going to talk to you about what I believe are some of the main reasons why this is such an imperative for the people on the left. We're going to get to that here in a few moments. You'll hear from voters as well. My name is Mike Broomhead, and this is the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, thanks. This is uh, the Glenn Beck program. I'm Mike Broomhead. And uh, so much here going on as as we're talking about impeachment and the impeachment of a president of the United States. This is an incredible time in our country. Now, there is a story out this this morning talking about the judicial appointments of President Trump. Donald Trump has appointed now 25 percent of the circuit judges across the country. Trump appointments now number 25 percent of the judiciary which is driving, I believe, driving the left insane. The prospect of Ruth Bader Ginsburg not staying on the court for another four years because of health reasons. Now, I want to say this up front. I have never, nor will I ever, wish anyone ill, including RBG. We're just talking about how her health has been, and can she fulfill another four years on that court? People are saying that probably not. Well, she is known as the liberal lioness of the court. If Ted Kennedy was the liberal lion in the Senate while he were alive, she has been the liberal lioness and has voiced her displeasure in this president a number of times. If she were not able to stay on the court, it will be a Trump appointee that replaces her. So it is imperative for the left to get rid of Trump. And if not Trump, the consolation prize would be to flip the Senate. So we're watching this plan unravel, and I believe, I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I, I don't believe in conspiracy theories. Often, there are some things that we find out later are way too shady to not be true. We're going to get into that in a few minutes with what happened with Carter Page and the uh, FISA investigation, because that turned out to be a nightmare for the FBI. But in this case, the the idea that they flipped the Senate 
if not replace Trump or both, is imperative because of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. If the Democrats could control the Senate, they control the Judiciary Committee, which means they don't have to pass through any Trump nominee, not one. So what they're doing now is setting up Trump as the bad guy. They've got articles of impeachment that they know are are really weak, as weak as it possibly gets over that phone call. The more people hear of that phone call, the more they hear of what the charges are against the president, the more American voters are saying this is not something that we want. This is not what impeachment was intended to do. And we are watching the unraveling of them. And I I have to give Nancy Pelosi credit for uh, politics. And I mean this sincerely. She is a phenomenal politician. The reason why she's the Speaker of the House, she raises money like nobody's business. She is a great fundraiser, but she also is a power broker. Remember how she forced through Obamacare, making promises of fundraising and making promises of support and also promising bad things if her colleagues didn't get it passed. But you look at what they are doing right now or how they've done this with articles of impeachment. So this is what Nancy Pelosi's got going on. And we're going to talk about more of this here in just a couple of moments. Again, I'm Mike Broomhead on the Glenn Beck program. All right, so let's get back to this with um, this idea of why they are impeaching. They really need the importance here for them is getting rid of Trump is, I, I believe, is judicial appointments. I think that's a big part of it. The Supreme Court and the other judicial appointments because it's the longest lasting legacy of any president. And this president has been appointing a lot of judges to the courts. I live in the Western United States where the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals is the most overturned court in the land. They have been overturned more than any other court, but it's also more than double the size of any other appellate jurisdiction in the country. They would need to divide this into three parts for it to be the size of any other. If you divide it in half, they're still the two largest. So they have an overwhelming caseload, and they have been known as a liberal-leaning court. Well, the president has appointed quite a few judges there, and it's not, that's, it's not that way anymore in the Ninth Circuit. So when liberals are judge shopping, they're not able to find as friendly judges as they used to. If you remember watching the, the, them go to court over, you know, immigration was not a big topic for today, although ICE has come out with a video about how they were able in sting operations to get illegal aliens and fake colleges and universities. I live in a border state, so it's something that's on the front burner for us all the time. But if you remember, the president of the United States said he wanted to fix He wanted to fix what was going on with the Dreamers and DACA. And he ordered the Congress in the next six months while he sunsetted the DREAM Act. He wanted them to fix the immigration system in this country. It would have protected two and a half more times Dreamers than are protected currently. And it would have fixed a lot of our immigration problems. It would have gotten rid of chain migration. It would have gotten gotten rid of the visa lotteries. And what the Democrats did was went to court and found a friendly judge to their cause that said that this president could not reverse an executive order from a former president with an executive order. Unheard of. But that's that's part of the pro- that's part of the issue with the judiciary, these lifetime appointments. So when you look at what the voters are now saying about impeachment, they don't like it. The president of the United States is enjoy- enjoying a huge spike in support from donors, 
And what you hear in the media, we know from the last election cycle, is not necessarily true. When we saw exit polling and the polling in days before the election, Vegas is rarely wrong, but all of the odds were that President Trump was going to lose this election, that Hillary Clinton was the heir apparent and was going to be president of the United States. None of that happened. So now we continue to hear about this president's dismal poll number still under 50%. But when you look at the fundraising that they've done, the Republicans have seven times more money, seven times more money on hand for the election year than the Democrats do. The president of the United States and the Republican Party have, have raised millions of dollars since impeachment were announced. And when you look at the numbers of who's donating, first of all, it's small donations. It's not large donations. The the left will tell you these large, large corporate cronies, and that is not the case. And there is an overwhelming number of people that have donated to a political campaign for the very first time. There has been an engagement from people that are independents and on the right that think that the idea of impeachment is a disaster. And it is. There are a couple of things that our Constitution provides for removing a president. And we've watched the left abuse them like crazy during these 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 impeachment attempts and the first part of his term. You watched MSNBC and CNN especially would bring on uh, mental health experts that continued to say that this president is mentally ill, dangerous, and needs to be pulled off of uh, pulled out of office. He needs to be removed. They started talking about using the 25th Amendment. Now, most Americans, educated in civics or not, are not familiar with the ins and outs of the 25th Amendment, myself included at the time. But that mechanism in place to remove a president that's incapacitated but not dead, can't do the job, can't resign the position, but needs to be removed. So the cabinet can vote. They take it to the Congress. The Congress approves it. They pass on the presidential powers to the vice president of the United States. The vice or the president of the United States has two weeks in order to get back to Congress to plead his or her case that they are able to do the job. If they can do the job, then they're restored presidential powers. That was the purpose of this amendment. And look how they tried to abuse it by saying he's mentally ill and the cabinet should vote him out. And now they're doing the same thing with impeachment. The problem is this will far outlive Donald Trump. I don't need to, nor do I want to defend Donald Trump. He's going to be just fine with or without the presidency. But this is about what we do as a country. Do we really want to have this happen? Because it's going to continue to happen on both sides of the political aisle if the American people don't speak out. Coming up, we talk about the FISA judge. And the orders after the inspector general's report, how bad this is now for the FBI. It is a very difficult time because of what James Comey and Andrew McCabe did. I'm going to go into detail about that coming up. We'll do that in the next half hour. Again, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm Mike Broomhead, and this is the Glenn Beck Program. You're listening to Glenn Beck. Hey, thanks for being here. My name is Mike Broomhead. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, in for Glenn Beck this morning. Appreciate you being here. Happy uh, holidays to you. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Um, if you're a social media user, you can find me on Twitter, at Broomhead Show is where you can find me, at Broomhead Show. Um, I, uh, I do mornings in, in Phoenix, Arizona. This FISA report, this IG report, is a much bigger story than is being covered. I understand that impeachment is sucking all of the air out of the room in many cases. But this goes all the way back to when we got the Mueller report, where all of this investigation came from. 
there is a lot more to this story than the average person understands. This was dirty from the beginning. I had done a storyboard online, a video of this a, a year and a half ago or a year ago. This was ugly in how this was all put together. And that dossier that was used as it was proven turned out that the FBI did not vet this this uh, what they called the opposition research in the dossier. Carter Page was surveilled and Carter Page was an American citizen surveilled under false pretenses. The courts have now said it. As a matter of fact, the presiding judge of the FISC, which is the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, on December 5th ordered the FBI to review every single case that this lawyer, Kleinsmith, ever worked on. Kleinsmith has been accused of altering an email that was used and then was the final step in getting a FISA or a, yeah, a FISA order in a FISC, a, a court, to surveil an American citizen. Now, the way these FISA order works, and people complain about them being approved so often. Well, the reason why it's such a high percentage of approval isn't because it's lax. It's because of the steps that are taken beforehand. An an agent in a field office, and incidentally, this initial investigation being handled by James Comey and Andrew McCabe at FBI headquarters is exactly the problem. I don't know of another time ever that this has happened, and I've got friends that have been with the FBI for over 50 years between them and other people that are actively in the FBI. Investigations are not run out of headquarters. They are not investigators. They're politicians. They're bureaucrats. Investigators in a field office investigate. When they believe that they have reason to surveil, especially an American, They take it up through the chain of command and FBI lawyers that the local field office approve it. It goes all the way up to the headquarters level where it's gone through again and they make sure that all the I's are dotted and all the T's are crossed. The same thing happens at the DOJ where the DOJ goes through the same process locally. A U.S. attorney working with an agent working this process up through the chain of command in both of their respective agencies. It gets to the top and it goes off their desk in front of a judge and a judge then looks at that evidence, approves it and allows surveillance. You have to go back every 30 or 60 days to get approval to continue the surveillance. You have to show fruit. You can't just um, perpetually surveil an American or anyone. And that's exactly what happened here on three different occasions. They went back to get renewal on surveilling Carter Page. They didn't use exculpatory evidence. They didn't tell the judge all of the details. They never vetted the dossier that turned out to be completely wrong, in which Mueller and the Mueller report debunked the key pieces that they used as evidence against Carter Page. When you look at the foundations of this and how it led to impeachment, collusion, Russian asset, Russian agent. You still have Democrats that are going on right now on television over the weekend saying that this president is still a Russian agent or they fear that Vladimir Putin is is bribing this president. And none of that is true. Again, if you were to take Donald Trump's name out of this, if we were able to because he is such a polarizing figure, you would see just how heinous this was. So now you have a judge, the presiding judge of the FISC, is ordering a review of all of these cases. For those of you that are listening, that are in law enforcement or prior service in law enforcement, you know better than anyone 
a cop is taught day one of the police academy. And it doesn't matter if it's the FBI academy or your local sheriff's department or police agency. Officers are taught day one. Do not lie. Don't lie in a report. Don't lie in an interview. And certainly never lie on the witness stand. If you do something wrong, you own up to it because the lie will follow you for the rest of your career. If you lie under oath, every case you ever testified in or will testify in is going to be held in um, less regard. It will be suspect. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. The foreign intelligence surveillance courts are now going to make it so much more difficult on the legitimate FBI agents out there that are working hard, doing the right thing, and getting surveillance order when they are warranted by law. Because James Comey, the politician, and Andrew McCabe, the politician, were worried about their jobs. I firmly believe that they believed, like everyone else, that Hillary Clinton would be president, They didn't want a negative investigation with their names on it, and they certainly were going to do whatever they could to make sure they kept their jobs. I don't necessarily believe it was political at the beginning. I think it was self-serving. It was self-preservation. No one involved in this believed that this would see the light of day. Why? Because Hillary would be president, and Donald Trump complaining about a rigged election would never see the light of day. How do we know that? Barack Obama. Barack Obama said during the campaign, in reference directly to Donald Trump, no foreign government has ever altered an American election or will be able to. And I suggest Mr. Trump go out there and get votes. When the election was over and Hillary did exactly what she was afraid Donald was going to do and say it was stolen from her by the Russians, Barack Obama came out and said, we knew more about the actions of the Russians than we told anybody, but we didn't want Trump to use it as an excuse, so we downplayed it. Now, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what the White House or the former president said. So they were well aware of all of this ahead of time. And yet, there's a surveillance order on Carter Page. So now... There's a criminal investigation going on because, remember, Horowitz, the inspector general, he did not have any arrest or subpoena power. He could only talk with people that were willing to talk with him. That is not the case with the U.S. attorney that's doing the investigation now. Subpoena and arrest powers. And they are looking at communications between the former FBI director, James Comey, and the former CIA director, Brennan. This is going to get ugly, and within the next couple of days, you are going to see James Comey, Andrew McCabe, and Brennan lawyer up because they are going to find themselves in severely hot water. This is the kind of stuff that America looks at, and we should all be terrified. This is this crosses party lines. Take Donald Trump's name out of this. I want you to hear, I want you to hear Adam Schiff. Because Adam Schiff was asked about Carter Page and the surveillance of Carter Page under false pretenses, this is what we got from Schiff. Carter Page says that the FBI spying into his life ruined his good name. That's a quote. He also says that he will, quote, never completely have his name restored. Do you feel any sympathy for Carter Page? Uh, I have to say, uh, you know, Carter Page came before our committee and for uh, hours of his testimony. Denied things that we knew were true, later had to admit them during his testimony. Um, It's hard to be sympathetic to someone who isn't honest with you when he comes and testifies under oath. 
Um, it's also hard to be sympathetic uh, when you have someone who is admitted to being um, an advisor to the Kremlin. But then was also informing the CIA. Yes, yes. Which we um, didn't know about. Who was apparently both targeted by the KGB, uh, but also talking to uh, the United States and its agencies. Um, and that should have been included, made clear, uh, and it wasn't, according to the Inspector General. So now you see how sad he is for someone that was surveilled. We're going to talk about this some more. There is more to this story, and it's going to have a fallout for years to come. Pull Trump's name out of it. You take Donald Trump's name out of all of this, and it becomes obvious that this was an abuse of power by the American government. More on this coming up in a moment. Again, my name is Mike Broomhead, and this is the Glenn Beck Program. You're listening to Glenn Beck. Hey, thanks again for being here. My name is Mike Broomhead, and this is the Glenn Beck Program. Talking about the surveillance of an American citizen in, in the FISC or the FISA courts, um, it is something that is, is very dangerous when it's abused. I think all of us understand that. Uh, Ted Cruz was talking about this. The senator was talking about this IG report and how the politicization of all of this happened. So Nancy Pelosi said after the impeachment that maybe she'll sit on the articles of impeachment before <laughs> sending it over to you and your colleagues in the Senate. Can she do that? Uh, you know, you can't make this up. Uh, listen, I think this is a sign of weakness. That, that This is a sign she understands just how weak these articles are. And the, these articles of impeachment that they actually voted on were really an admission of failure. Uh, for months, they had been promising all of this evidence of criminal activity. For months, they'd been talking about bribery. They'd been talking about quid pro quo. But then they heard all the evidence, and they got no evidence of it. And these articles don't allege any crime. This is the first time in the history of our country that a president has been impeached without a single article alleging any criminal conduct. They don't allege any crime. They don't even allege any federal law that was violated. This was, at the end of the day, a political response because Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats hate the president. And, and that's a lead into the, what he was talking about later, which was the, they politicized this investigation, the IG report. Here's the issue with all of this that they have a, the FISA courts were designed in the 1970s. Now, like a lot of people, the assumption has been that after 9-11 with the Patriot Act and otherwise, the FISA courts, the FISCs, were developed, and that's not the case. If you remember going back into the 1960s, the federal government arbitrarily at their own desire would surveil people. Martin Luther King Jr., if they labeled you a subversive, they did surveillance. Well, that is not an American principle, and that's where FISA or the FISC were developed. And it was it was a set of checks and balances to be able to to surveil a foreign entity. And if an American was caught up in that surveillance of a foreign entity, there were rules that had to apply, and you had to get a um, permission from a court to surveil. So they used this dossier, which was hired by by um, Hillary Clinton and the DNC, as opposition research. It was never evidence. And if uh, I'll give you a, an analogy, um, any couple that's ever gone through a divorce realize is it is a horrible time. And they say that a criminal court is good people or bad people on their best behavior. And in a family court, it's usually good people on their worst behavior because it's so emotional. If there is an accusation of abuse by a spouse that is getting a divorce, 
investigators investigate, but they look at it with a higher level of suspicion because of the the weight that it includes, because how any of this could be look really good for one spouse and horrible for the other in the investigation or in their divorce proceedings. If you've got opposition research and you're using that as evidence, they should have weighted that with a lot more suspicion. The guy that wrote the report, Christopher Steele. Now, the FBI labels their informants with three levels of reliability. They're reliable, they're unreliable, or of unknown reliability. Christopher Steele was always known as unknown reliability. They didn't know whether they could trust his words or not. And yet, it wasn't an investigator with the FBI. It wasn't an agent with the FBI. It was the higher-ups. It was James Comey. It was Andrew McCabe. It was Peter Stroke. They went to a court and swore that what was in that dossier was evidence to the best of their knowledge. Now, can they get away with it by saying, well, it was to the best of our knowledge because we never investigated it? This was politicized from day one, and there is no counterintelligence investigation like this that doesn't go through the White House. I am not saying that Barack Obama knew about this, but I know the White House did. And so does anybody else in the surveillance business. You do not have a counterintelligence investigation against an American candidate for president that there isn't knowledge and approval from inside the White House. It doesn't happen. So how far did this go? Brennan is under investigation. Comey is under investigation. Horowitz, the IG, said that this does not exonerate anybody. It doesn't vindicate anyone that ever touched this investigation. FBI lawyer is going to lose his career for altering an email and may go to jail. And yet, when we look at all of this, it's not a reported story. It doesn't fit a narrative. Pull Donald Trump's name out. Again, I don't have any inclination on this. It isn't my passion on this to defend Donald Trump. Donald Trump can defend himself. Donald Trump is a grown man and the president of the United States. As an American, this cannot happen. The FISC and the FISA, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, was passed and designed to make sure this never happens. The fallout of this now, of course, is that every FBI agent legitimately working a case trying to get a FISA order is going to be fine-tooth combed. It is going to make good FBI agents suffer and cases suffer because of what Andrew McCabe and because of what James Comey did. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. It's, 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 it's a terrible thing that happened. Coming up next hour, great news for the American economy, and it keeps getting better. No matter what you hear from the left, I'm going to lay out the statistics that every single American is doing better than they were before as far as demographics go. All that coming up again. Um, we got a lot coming up on the show. My name is Mike Broomhead. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. In all day, this is the Glenn Beck Program. You're listening to Glenn Beck.